You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka needs bear-resistant trash cans. That's the recommendation of a group of Sitkins tasked with tackling the community's bear problem. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will hear the final report from the task force that reconvened last March after 14 bears were shot and killed over the summer and fall of 2021. The group is recommending the city purchase Kodiak brand bear-resistant trash cans to replace some of the city's current cans. Last spring, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game partnered with the Fortress of the Bear to test several can options. They filled them with beef, berries, and peanut butter and handed them over to several adult brown bears at the facility. The bears managed to open all of the cans eventually, but the Kodiak cans lasted longer than the others, coming in at around 12 minutes. A full shipment to Sitka, around 280 cans, would cost the city around $98,000. The Assembly will also consider donating $25,000 to the Alaska Trollers Association's Legal Defense Fund. The Trollers, along with the Department of Fish and Game, have intervened in a suit brought by the Washington State-based Wild Fish Conservancy against the National Marine Fisheries Service. The conservation group has argued, so far successfully, in U.S. District Court that Alaska trollers are threatening the survival of a small population of endangered killer whales in Puget Sound by depriving them of king salmon, their primary food source. At its last meeting, most Assembly members signaled willingness to give the money. If they approve the appropriation tonight, it will come back before the Assembly again for a final reading. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. The Sitka Assembly and the Sitka School Board met last week in a joint work session, kicking off the typically months-long budgeting cycle for fiscal year 24. And, as is often the case, the school budget is starting out awash in red ink. The Sitka School District is the city's single largest expense, and it's a bit of a moving target every year, depending on the state funding allocation and whether federal funding for rural schools is approved. For the last few years, the Assembly has funded schools to the cap, or the maximum allowable by state law, and covered additional non-instructional expenses like the pool and utilities for the Performing Arts Center. The district anticipates a $2.7 million deficit for the coming year, and the city's maximum allowable contribution is down from last year by around $250,000. But Superintendent Frank Hauser said he was feeling hopeful that the state would increase the base student allocation. That's the amount the state pays each school district per student. In all the years I've been in education, especially since we've had flat funding and limited increases, if any increases the base student allocation, I'm more optimistic um, this year than I've been, um, gosh, for at least the last decade, that we're going to see potentially a, a BSA increase. Hauser said while it's unclear what the increase could be, the Association of Alaska School Boards is recommending the state legislature consider an $860 increase to the BSA. But that's about um, $2.7 million uh, from state and city uh, contributions. And like Mr. Pike said, that would take out and you know pretty much zero out of that um, deficit that we currently have and we're facing for this school year. But the timing would be tricky. The school district has to have its proposed budget to the assembly by May 1st, and it's possible the legislature won't have a firm decision on the funding formula by then. So the school board is working to balance the budget as if the numbers it has right now are right, and will hold community hearings over the next couple of months to gather feedback on what programs and expenses should stay and what should go in Sitka's schools next year. The Assembly signaled its position, with several members saying they would commit to the amount the district initially requested, around $8.5 million, and possibly more. 
but the figure isn't set in stone and no decisions were made. This was likely the first of several joint meetings between the school board and the assembly. It's been a winter for the record books when it comes to holiday travel. Snow, ice, and scheduling issues have snarled flights, stranding passengers for days or weeks. Alaska has largely been spared from the airline crisis, aside from the usual weather-related issues that hold up flights from time to time. But here in Alaska, the problems are on the water. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, the Alaska Marine Highway System's decision to pull the Matanuska out of service has left some travelers stuck abroad. Mary Lynn Dahl and her husband Jim love to ski in Smithers, British Columbia. In total, I, I figured it out. We've done it over 160 round, or 160 trips. So we've been doing it for about 20 years. The Ketchikan couple usually spends two to three weeks at their cabin in Smithers. After all, it's no small feat to get there. It's about four hours of driving through northern B.C. in the middle of the winter, and that's after a seven-hour ferry from Ketchikan to Prince Rupert. But it's always been worth it. All nine of the dolls' grandkids learned to ski in Smithers, plus a half dozen of their Ketchikan friends. This year, Mary Lynn says the dolls planned a longer trip. They'd stay about two months since the marine highway system wasn't running any ferries in January. In order to come down for Christmas to meet with our friends and our family who drives up from Seattle. We had to come down the early part of December, and we couldn't leave until until February 7th. Why no ferries in January? The Matanuska, the ferry that runs to Prince Rupert, was in the shipyard getting some work done. During its annual overhaul, crews spotted some concerning issues on the Matanuska. Deputy Transportation Commissioner Catherine Keith said at a recent Marine Highway Operations Board meeting that one problem is crumbling asbestos. There has been always asbestos on board these aging vessels, and we know it's there. Um, However, when uh, asbestos becomes exposed or is friable, meaning it's in like in the dust, that it is in, in the air, basically, then it becomes a health risk. That stopped work immediately. The state, of course, doesn't want welders and pipe fitters breathing in cancer-causing dust. But crumbling asbestos wasn't the worst of what they found. And in addition to that, during the overhaul, uh, there was more discovered steel, which is going to increase the cost of this overhaul significantly and the amount of time that the vessel would be in overhaul. Keith says repairs to the corroded steel will dramatically increase the cost of the overhaul. And she says the ferry service isn't sure what to do with the 60-year-old ship. We would like to pause on our decisions for capital investments in this project uh, to see what really is the wisest choice right now. Um, this steel work uh, it could increase the cost of this overhaul up to 8 or $10 million, and we're still trying to quantify that exactly. That brings up a whole host of issues. The Matanuska has been the primary vessel serving the so-called mainline route through southeast Alaska. Its sister ships, the Taku and Malaspina, are both out of service. One was cut up for scrap, the other sold off as a floating museum. But for a more immediate concern... Ultimately, what these developments mean is that the Matanuska will not be able to be on our summer schedule or the February schedule. The ferry service isn't totally out of options. Keith says the flagship ferry Columbia is coming off the bench to fill in. The Columbia will now be on our schedule and sailing uh, as soon as February 13th. That's just a week after the dolls were originally scheduled to sail home. No problem, they're retired. Anyone who's traveled in Alaska or northern Canada during the winter knows it's a good idea to plan for a bit of a cushion in case of delays. But the Columbia won't be going to Prince Rupert. It's not certified for international travel. And even if it was, it's too big to tie up at the Prince Rupert terminal. 
The other ship with the necessary certification to sail the Prince Rupert, the Kennecott, is scheduled to hit the shipyard in February for maintenance. So, a few days ago, Dahl says she got some bad news. The ferry service called us and said that our, our, our ferry home from Prince Rupert to Ketchikan has been canceled, period. And there's no plan to replace it. <laughs> we said, what? <laughs> well, what, well, what are we supposed to do? We're down here and we have a ticket to come home. Sure, they could fly home, but it's awfully hard to fly with a car full of ski stuff and two dogs. Airlines don't exactly take cars as checked baggage. And they said, well, you know, there is no option. Unless you drive down to Bellingham. And I was, I was a little shocked, to be honest with you. Bellingham, Washington is the southernmost port on the marine highway system. It's also a 13-hour drive from Smithers in the summer. So we are going to drive 700 miles to Bellingham um, from here in Smithers, where we're now. And then we have to get on the ferry a week later and go another 750 miles the other direction to get back to Ketchikan, which is kind of crazy. The State Department of Transportation did not return interview requests or answer written questions before the story was first published. But a day after, spokesperson Shannon McCarthy provided a written statement. Close to 40 passengers and 20 vehicles had their tickets refunded or rebooked as a result of the Prince Rupert cancellations, according to McCarthy. Those reservations were spread over three sailings in February, March, and April. McCarthy says the ferry service doesn't reimburse for gas or lodging, and she confirmed that there are no plans to send a state ferry or private vessel to Prince Rupert to fill in for the Matanuska. So Mary Lynn and her husband are on their own. It's really irritating. I know that these boats are old and I know they need maintenance, but that should be expected and planned. And, and because you've sold the tickets already, unless the boat is imminently going to sink, I think you should pick those people up and bring them home and then, you know, not, not proceed to keep running the boat. And plan a little bit better. And she has some ideas. She says she'd like to see the ferry system upgrade more ships to handle the Prince Rupert route. And she says the Alaska legislature should find a way to insulate the Marine Highway's budget from shifting political winds. But for now, she's planning for a long, cold drive south. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Taking a look at the community calendar. The City and Borough of Sitka Public Works Department is making repairs to a water leak on Sawmill Creek Road in the 2400 block just before the Thimbleberry and Heart Lake Trailhead. A section of the multi-use path is closed and customers may notice water pressure and flow fluctuations as well as cloudy water. If you experience water changes, run the cold water for a few minutes until it runs clear. With any questions, you can contact the Public Works Department at 907-747-1804. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.